One of the things we do during the season of Lent is take a hard look at the problem of sin. It's not an easy thing to do because sin is ugly and we don't like to look at ugly things. Not only that, it makes us look ugly and we don't like that either about ourselves. So we tend either to deny the reality of sin or at least deny that it is that, it, that it's part of our own personal problem. But in Lent, we get more realistic and we admit not only is sin a real problem, but it's my problem. It's your problem. It's our problem. Not that that's the whole work of Lent, because if that were the only thing we did, we would just get depressed. And that's not God's plan, that just to make us feel bad about ourselves. The whole picture is that sin, as bad as it is, has a solution. And that solution is, is, is entirely given to us in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the whole story is, yes, ugliness of sin, but even greater, the power and the victory of grace, Lent and Easter. In today's readings, we don't get much hint of the Easter part. We just get the ugliness of sin. The first reading is the terrible story of how Joseph is treated. I talk about the Old Testament Joseph, how he's treated by his own brothers. And then the gospel is the terrible parable of the tenants, the wicked tenants in the vineyard. So one is a, a historical account based on real people, the real, the sons of Jacob, and one is a parable. Let's look at this story in Genesis first. Uh, Joseph, remember, is the, well, he's the 11th of the 12 sons of Jacob. Remember, the youngest is Benjamin. I don't think he's on the scene yet, or if he is, he's a child. But, uh, so, there's Joseph, and then there's his 10 older brothers. Joseph has this special relationship with the father, the father has given him a, a tunic, a cloak that represents the favor that he has. And the ten brothers are so full of jealousy that they, and, and, and hatred that they wish Joseph were dead. That's how bad it gets. He's their own brother. And so we hear the story of how they plot to kill him. Then they change their minds, they just throw him in a cistern, let him die there. Then they change their minds again, and they sell him as a slave. But the whole problem here is not what they actually do, but what's going on inside them. They hate their brother. They hate their brother so much. Remember the two commandments, love of God, love of neighbor. Well, love of neighbor is completely violated when we hate our own brother. I said this ugly story is not the whole story, and this is just an excerpt. We know that God worked a marvel in the story of Joseph. He actually used this terrible mistreatment of Joseph for the salvation of the very brothers and their families who, were, who, who hated him. So that's the, that's the Easter side. But the Lenten side is this one. They, 
they victimize him, they sell him. Just a little aside, you know, the problem of, uh, of uh, slavery or now of human trafficking is epidemic in the world. And it is very often relatives who sell their relatives or, or people of their own clan or tribe or neighborhood who sell their own, it's not just strangers, people sell their own relatives, usually out of po because of poverty, not because of hatred, but this happens that this violation of love of neighbor, even within the family circle. So we, this is not such, a, such an unusual thing that Joseph gets sold for 20 pieces of silver. That happens every day. In the gospel, it's not the relatives, but the tenants. The tenants are the wicked ones. And what we're... What we're shown here, well, both in the story of Joseph and in the, in the parable of the tenants, we're shown here how sin distorts our perspective, how it limits and blinds us. In the case of Joseph, the brothers, because of their hatred, cannot see anything good in their own brother. They, they're blind to, they're blind to his dignity as a person and as a brother. So much so that they, they think they're better off if he's dead. This is also in the tenants. They're so blind by their greed that they think it's a good thing to beat the servants who come to collect the just share of the produce. They think that's a good thing. They think they're accomplishing something. They think that they're gaining an advantage by doing this evil. Maybe in their own minds, they've convinced themselves it's not evil, that they deserve that produce. They did all the work after all. Who are these people to come and take away our, our fruit? You can imagine the, how sin distorts the thinking. So they're saying, okay, this is our place. This is our fruit. We did the work. We're going to keep what belongs to us. Sound, sound pretty good? We did the work. Why should we give it to somebody else? Who's this owner anyway? He's off doing his own thing. He's rich. He doesn't need it. This is just the way human, this is just human thinking. It's not that hard to imagine that that's what they were thinking. Well, then the, the, the blindness that sin causes gets worse when it comes to the son of the owner. The owner sends his son thinking, you know, you can't, it's one thing to, to, to disrespect servants, but because they're lower than you are in the social order, but the son is above them. And the son is, he represents the owner himself, his family. So the, the owner thinks, well, they have to respect my son. I mean, who wouldn't? Well, these tenants wouldn't. Listen to what they say. This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. So they really think that if they kill the son, they're going to get the, the, they're going to get the vineyard. They're not thinking about the owner who actually owns the vineyard or what, what consequence would be a just consequence that, for them. They are only thinking, talk about narrowness and blindness, they're thinking, if I, if I get rid of this obstacle, I can have it all. Then I will be the owner. 
we will be the owners. It's, it's a, almost a parody of how pride works. We, 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 we rise up to such a degree that we think we're God. Now, we don't think that, but we act as if we're the ones who decide what we get and what we deserve. Violation of love of neighbor. But if you think about this a little bit more, sin is not only a violation of love of neighbor, it's ultimately a violation of love of God, the commandment love of God. The, the decision to kill the son and gain the inheritance is implicitly a decision to kill the owner. Meaning, they, don't, they want to eliminate ownership so that it's theirs. That decision is to kill God. And every sin is implicitly a decision to kill God. Sounds crazy. It is crazy. It's a kind of insanity. We can't kill God, but because of the way we can misuse our freedom, we can. Not that we can kill God, but we can kill Him in us. We can kill our relationship with Him. We can cut ourselves off from Him. It's a terrible condition to be in. I say ugly. Maybe ugly isn't a bad enough word. It's really a terrible, a, a frightening condition to be in. To think that we might we get to the point where doing something evil looks so good to us or so so uh, desirable to us that we will do anything to get it. Pride, greed, lust, anger, self-righteousness, judgment. What else? This is you know this, every one of these sins. In fact, every sin is a step in this direction of, of getting rid of God and his rightful authority over us and, and putting ourselves in his place. That's sin. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? Well, the chief priests and the elders say, well, just kill them all. Just kill them all. They're bad. No good. Replace them. And that's justice, human justice. There's a little irony here that that is not what God does. He doesn't just kill us all. He doesn't do what we would do. He deliberately takes our place. He, he, he puts himself in the position of the victim. He takes on the consequences. This is the marvel of this story. As ugly as it is, once we see how God deals with this ugliness, we have to be in awe at how he turns it around. He uses the sin itself as a means to save us. That's the story of Joseph. It's even greater in the story of Jesus. Jesus who, who comes not to condemn, but to take on condemnation to save the very ones who are killing him or who are killing God. And actually, in the crucifixion, we do kill God. He really does die. And on the third day, he rises. Not for his own sake, because he's alive anyway, 
in, in, in his divinity, but he rises in his humanity to save humanity. So that's what we, that's what we are celebrating. In Lent, we're, we're, we're un, uncovering all the, all the hidden deception and ugliness of sin so that we can get this whole story. Because if we don't really face sin, if we don't really see how bad it is, we'll never see how great God's mercy is. We'll never see how great the victory is. These readings focus on the bad part, but you can't help it. If you're going to ponder it at all, you can't help but see how God uses this for his own good purposes. Where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more.